Welcome to the Sadler Lectures podcast. Responding to popular demand, I'm converting my philosophy videos into sound files you can listen to anywhere you can take an MP3. If you like what you hear and want to support my work, go to patreon.com sadler. I hope you enjoy this lecture. In chapter four of book one of his work on duties, Cicero is going to draw out a very important connection between nature and reason. Reason being something that human beings, among all the other animals alone, enjoy, possess, employ, and that turns out to make all the difference. Now, what he's doing here is, in fact, sort of a great manifestation of what we call early natural law theory, which has to do with the notion that there is some sort of inclinations or tendencies implanted in us, as well as in the case of many of these other animals, by virtue of being the kinds of things that we are. So the Stoics would say by nature, by nature, which creates us as our natures, i.e. as human nature or animal nature in other respects. And we we can use reason, which is another thing that we're endowed with by nature, to think out what the, you might say, consequences or implications of these inclinations or fundamental desires really are and ought to be. And we can use that as providing us moral guidance. So why is this coming up in a book on duties? We can actually understand how we ought to behave as human beings by looking at what our nature is. Is. And, you know, what it is that nature has given us. So Cicero talks, first of all, about other animals. And we have this just as much as they do, although it doesn't always work in quite the same way, in part because our rationality makes us different from them. But he, he says that nature endows animals with what we can call instincts or inclinations. Now, of course, we know that animals, particularly as we get to higher level animals, are quite a bit more plastic in how these drives play out than the ancients thought that they were, right? But we can put that aside for the moment. And we're also not going to worry over much about whether higher animals like elephants or apes or cetaceans like, you know, whales and dolphins or even octopi, which are incredibly intelligent, or apparently certain kinds of birds show something like rationality. We're not going to worry too much about that. We're mostly interested in what it means for us human beings. So nature endows animals with certain instincts or inclinations. And the first one that he talks about is for self-preservation. And this covers quite a a bit of ground. This involves, you know, moving towards certain things, desiring those things that are going to conduce to our living, that are going to help keep us alive, like, you know, the desire to eat, the desire to drink, the desire to find shelter, although that could be about avoiding harm as well. You know, other desires that we have for like laying in the sun, well, it turns out that we actually need those ultraviolet rays to help us out. And we could go on and on and on. We might get, you know, more specific about talking about the role of bitterness and sweetness, but Cicero doesn't go into that. So we're not going to worry about that at this point. And he doesn't talk an awful lot about this self-preservation at this point, but notice that it's not just for animals. It's, it's also for, for us and we are animals. Then we have a another set of drives. When we reach a certain age, we wish to reproduce. 
And all animal life does this in one way or another. Sometimes their mating rituals and methodologies may seem rather bizarre to us, like we picture to ourselves mantises and, and spiders, where the female grabs the male, who she's usually larger than, and eats him up. But there, maybe there's some evolutionary advantage there, the, the biologists tell us. We don't have to worry about that. Point is, all of them engage in reproduction. All of them are motivated by some form of sexual desire. And many animals at least do something to try to at least take care of, set up the environment for their young, whether it be wasps that are laying there's eggs within a spider who they've paralyzed or a caterpillar to tortoises, you know, burying their eggs, all the way to really cool things like male seahorses carrying the little babies around and even scorpions with little scorpions on top, spiders guarding their egg sack until they hatch. And then we get to higher and higher levels and we see different animals actually taking care of their young and doing more than that sometimes, even going beyond merely nurturing them and, and warding off threats teaching them. We know that cats, for example, little kittens need to see some other cat doing certain things in order for them to figure out how to kill their prey instead of just playing around with it. Very cool stuff, right? And again, Cicero is not concerned with that for its own sake. He's interested in the fact that we human beings also do this, but then we make a kind of quantum leap by the possession of rationality. Rationality allows us to think in ways that as far as we know, animals themselves do not do. So he, he gives you some examples of this that are very apt and very interesting. He says, we comprehend the chain of consequences, perceive the causes of things. We understand relations of cause to effect and effect to cause, draw analogies, connects and associates the present and the future. We can survey the the whole of our life. We can ask questions about whether we're screwing things up or doing things right. We can take positions on that. Very interesting what it affords us the possibility to do. Now, here's where it gets particularly interesting. Because we have this capacity for rationality, there are four main things that Cicero is going to hit on. One of them has to do with what we might call a social instinct. He is not denying that animals are also social, both in the sense of familial affection and in the sense of recognizing and dealing with their own kind and often associating in common tasks or things like that. But human beings have this capacity to a much higher degree. He talks about the tender affection that we human beings have for our offspring, which, you know, goes to explain quite a lot. I mean, if you think about it, little kittens are born, you know, with their eyes shut, but they're able to more or less get around. I mean, they have to drink milk and stuff like that for a little while, but they get over it and then they move around and they're little cats in development, right? You know, they can follow the mom cat around. If the dad cat isn't hostile to them, they can follow him around as well. And they're, they're working. We have these babies that take years and years and years before they're like not totally helpless, right? So that's, that's a great example 
example right there. And then we retain these connections with our children throughout our lifetime in many cases. There's all sorts of other forms of sociality that Cicero talks about as well. He says, nature, she prompts men to meet in companies, to form public assemblies, to take part in them themselves, right? And talks about the fact that we actually store up, not just out of instinct, but because of planning the resources that we're going to need to sustain life. We provide those resources sometimes, if we're not jerks, when we find other people in need. So this is something distinctively human. That's not to say that all humans do that, but many humans do. And some humans do it without having to think about it a hell of a lot because there is a kind of instinct there, which can go awry, which can be suppressed, which may sometimes be superseded when these other instincts or drives or inclinations take over. Another thing that Cicero talks about, truth-seeking. We alone of all animals are interested in knowing the truth, not just because of some practical value to us, but because we desire to know the truth and we see being deceived as a bad thing. Fundamentally, this is something that Cicero thinks is at the root of human nature. He says the search after truth and its eager pursuit are peculiar to human beings. So when we have leisure from the demands of business, we are eager to see, to hear, to learn something new. We esteem a desire to know the secrets or wonders of creation as indispensable to a happy life. This is part of what our fulfillment would be, the fulfillment of our human nature. Another thing that he talks about is this yearning for independence, for being freed, not just from other people, but from conditions. He talks about this as a hungering, a cupiditas and appetitio, an appetite for a kind of rulership, a kind of self-governance, principitatus. And he says that this is also something that human beings have because of our rational nature. The last thing that he talks about is a kind of orderliness and the possibility of decorum, of doing things in a rational way, of arranging things in ways that make sense to us. I mean, this is what's behind, for example, caring whether the grass is cut or not, because, you know, frankly, it doesn't matter in many respects if your grass is cut in your yard or, or isn't cut, but people like to see it all laid out the same way. And God forbid, if you just drive around randomly cutting the grass, it should be in nice, neat lines. Now, this is a little bit of a caricature, but we human beings do engage in a lot of these sorts of things. He says, no other animal has a sense of beauty, loveliness, harmony in the visible world. And he says, and nature and reason extending the analogy of this from the world of sense to the world of the mind or the spirit find that beauty consistency and order are far more to be maintained in thought and indeed and so not just in how we arrange things out here but in how we behave and how we think and how we speak now, each one of these four is going to correspond to one of what we call the cardinal virtues, truth-seeking to wisdom, sociality to justice, orderliness to moderation or temperance, independence to courage, fortitude, great souledness, however we want to talk about it. And so Cicero is telling us that nature has endowed us with the capacities for the moral virtues, for these forms of human excellence 
by way of our rationality. All of this is an overlay on the rest of our animal nature, which is not bad and has to be there in order for us to function. And when rationality is functioning properly, it actually integrates all of this. As I mentioned at the beginning, this is indeed a sort of early version of what we will later on call natural law theory. The Stoics were some of the, the first people to really systematize this in the West. And so there is a very strong connection between nature and human nature and reason or rationality for Cicero. Special thanks to all of my Patreon supporters for making this podcast possible. You can find me on Twitter at Philosopher70, on YouTube at the Gregory B. Sadler channel, and on Facebook on the Gregory B. Sadler page. Once again, to support my work, go to patreon.com Sadler. Above all, keep studying these great philosophical works.